this week on The Startup Life. If you don't make a mistake and disrupt yourself faster, your competition will. There's somebody in the world that's going to go, oh, you know what? You're moving slow. It's like, it's why big companies are scared to death of agile, small people in their garage right now. And so you have to be willing to go into that space because somebody will go right past you at Mach 4 if you're not willing to do it to yourself. All right, Startup Nation. So let's take flight with Damian Lupo, author and founder of Transformation Nation. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We have uh, Damian Lupo, who's probably going to be one of those people who's a candidate for the most interesting man in the world. How's it going, Damien? It's good, man. I can't believe you just said that. One of, one of my guys that I teach with, he wrote a forward to one of my books and he goes, this is Damien Lupo, the most interesting man in the world. So I think it's funny you said that. Right. Well, there's a lot of stuff that I want to kind of get into why I say that. But uh, let's go ahead and get started, man. Are you ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? Let's do it, man. Let's rock and roll. Awesome. As always, Startup Nation, the Startup Life is brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, man, tell us about your story on your path to entrepreneurship and tell us about Transformation Nation a little bit. Well, I think it's, it's interesting. Transformation Nation, to start there, is really about right. people taking responsibility to control their lives. And startups all about you creating something for you and that is a gift to other people. You're creating value. And that's... Sure. I mean, Transformation Nation is, is giving people skills and tools and a tribe like you've created here where, where people can connect and support each other because we're really, most people are sort of stuck and it's right. because they there's a lot of fear that's that's been baked into us. Um, I remember as a kid, that's actually where my first startup happened when I was 11. I had a problem and the problem was I couldn't pay for video games because my parents told me we were broke. So gotcha. I said, that doesn't work for me. I'm 11, I need to play video games. So I went out there and, and uh, started buying and selling games using the classified section of a newspaper, which most people, if they're 25, are like, what? What's a newspaper? So I, I did that and it, it gave me the ability to fund my thing and I was solving problems. People wanted to sell their old games and people wanted to buy games used at half price. So I kind of just ended up in a retail wholesale space. I was solving a problem. So the point of that one is that there's a problem next to you, in front of you, all over the place. It's probably worth some type of money that you can solve. And I, I think it's fairly simple if you go, what problem am I solving? The problem sure. people have you go, ooh, startup, I want to do something cool. And nobody cares because you're not solving a problem. And that's right. interesting in a tech world like in Silicon Valley, but it's not necessary. And truly, that's why most companies go bankrupt because they're not really solving a problem. They've got a shiny object they're trying to throw out there and make stick. Well, dude, you're not Steve Jobs. It actually solves a problem that people have, not something you'd like them to to, you know, to embrace. It's funny you mentioned about video games. I actually had Lee Carraher, who's the founder and CEO of Double Forte, and she does, you know, some promotional and PR stuff for like E3, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, the big conference every summer, E3 and stuff like that. She actually did some work for 
uh, Assassin's Creed as well. So I'm going to ask you what you asked me, man. What's your favorite video game? And the only one that I actually beat was The Legends of Zelda. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I can't even figure out how to use the controllers nowadays, and, and yet Fair enough. the games are way bigger than they were back then. And so it's fascinating. I, I kind of poo-pooed on video games. And okay. there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money and this is we're, we're going into more of a virtual reality world and so not understanding video games is very dangerous because that's where most people i think are going to end up living going forward mm, fair enough fair enough never thought about it that way but for sure it's funny you mentioned zelda i'm actually playing the the nintendo classic nes right now i got that over the holidays so oh, man, i'm jealous that's awesome <laughs> like, it's scary you're like oh wait am i old because it's vintage and i used to like that thing Right, for sure, for sure. Moving right along, man. Who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur and why? Uh, well, there's inspiration and then there's perspiration because of people that have been warnings to it. <laughs> Fair um, enough. You know, I, I, examples of people, I, I think the, the people that I look up to and I say, that's, that's amazing, people like Elon because they're willing to be a, an edge case where they don't, they don't need an example in front of them. And I like people like that. And for I sure. say, what, how can I show up with my skills and talents and my vision with other people, you know, to, to be like that in my space. Cause right. the other, the other side of that is the warning, like my dad, great warning. And I mean, mm -hmm. he had some things that he was good at, but really the greatest gift he ever gave me was the conversation we had about six weeks before he died. When he looked at me and he said, mm -hmm. there were so many things that I wanted to do. And gotcha. I said, Holy crap. Like it just, it broke me because I felt regret. And if you want a driver in your life, feel somebody's regret right before they die. And you'll go right. get off my butt and go do something, make a difference, make an impact, create some value, solve some problems. It really does change things. So Elon's cool, but having my dad say that to me, life-changing. That's fair. And, and, and that's somebody who, you know, you had a personal connection with. So it's going to spur that action a little bit. So first of all, my condolences, man. I know that, I know that had to have been rough to uh, go through that for sure. But I appreciate you sharing that as well. I, I know that's kind of part of your story for sure. But let me ask you this, man. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show and why I call you a candidate for uh, one of the most interesting men in the world, man. So what's the secret sauce behind starting 30 companies, dude? Like, you got to tell me that story. Here's the deal. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of having a, a company flop. I've had, I've had a bunch. Okay. Had, did nothing. Most okay. So afraid of making a mistake because we're it's baked into our training as kids. You make a mistake, you get fifty percent wrong. It means you're a failure. Mm. Uh, you're kicked out, and then you go into the real world. And I look at my third. Actually, it's it's like forty five companies now. And wow. And, I, and people go, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah, more than half of those failed. So basically, I'm a big fat failure. And yet, I'm a multimillionaire, and I've I, I hire people. I, I have I have teams. I'm impacting people. I'm giving people freedom because I'm willing to go out there and stub my toe, trip, and bleed and have things not work. That's the thing. When you get past this whole concern around people's opinion of you, it's uh -huh. free. The further you can get into that space of letting go of what people think, the further you're going to get into freedom. And I'm, I'm in a place where I don't give an F what people think. I'm just, I do my thing. So the, the secret sauce is getting closer to, I don't give a crap. And yeah. that you care about your impact. You don't care if the thing you're doing is going to work or it's going to be the next thing or the next thing. And it's the, same, it's the same rule when you're investing with people, with startups and things. It's not about the thing they're doing. It's the person. It's the person that's relentless that you know, hey, man, I don't care if this thing works or not because I'm going to be with you for your next five things. And some sure. work eventually because you're relentless. You've been studying Tim Grover. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm in. Mm -hmm. That's right. what I'm all about. It's about going past the thing that works or doesn't work because you're on track for an impact, not just that widget that you're trying to make stick. 
Gotcha. I think a lot of times, especially in startup nation, but many people, when they think about starting those companies, they, I think they, they really do fall victim to that shame that they may feel if it does fail and what like their friends and family kind of point out. So I'm glad you pointed that out, man. I appreciate you sharing that for sure. The, the shame and the blame and the victim, those are all the things that keep us trapped. Either they keep us from starting something or right. something doesn't work and the shame keeps us from going again. For sure. Here, here's, one of the, here's one of the secrets. Go find people that embrace the shame. They embrace the suck. They embrace the, that. And then when you go in there around those people, it's normal. It's like, oh, which thing did you blow up today? Which thing did you make a mistake on? It's not about somebody looking at you like you're a big dum-dum. They, gotcha. they, you know, if you're in the right environment, people look at you and they say, you haven't made a mistake. That's the dum-dum move. Like go right. do something. Make it, you know, trip and learn and bring it back to us and so we can all grow together. Hey, Startup Nation. I wanted to hop in here really quickly because when Damien talks about that fear and that shame being baked in and, and also earlier he mentioned Elon Musk in the episode, I kind of wanted to shed some light on a, a few things if I could. So when we talk about Elon Musk, we automatically think of Tesla and SpaceX, right? But for some people, they may not know is that like Elon, when he was diving into those ventures, he reached out to some of the greatest minds that he looked up to and studied, you know, while coming up. And when he reached out to them and told them his idea, they said he was nuts. They said he was crazy. Like even if you ask Elon today about how that made him feel, it hurts him. It hurts him to this day. But what if he listened to those people? What if he listened to the mentors who are the rocket scientists and the mathematicians and all the people he studied and looked to and even idolized really up until that point? What if he had listened to those people? So I bring that up to say Startup Nation, think about your family and your friends and the people who say you are crazy and the people who say you should go back to work. Think about that. Think about Elon Musk's story. Now think about your idea. You know your idea can work. You know your idea is valuable. But sometimes we have to fight through that part. I know. I get it. It sucks. Just like Elon Musk's mentors, you know, your family, and your friends, they have they really do have your best interests at heart. But sometimes, Startup Nation, we have to tune that out. And sometimes we have to really quiet down our own insecurities and just move forward. Let's get back to Damien. For sure. And, and that brings me to another question I was going to ask you later. But since we're already here, let's go ahead and ask that now, because you always say, you know, uh, about, you know, we always talk to Startup Nation about failing and learning from that failure and stuff like that. But you always say that, you know, make mistakes, make more mistakes faster than your competition. Explain that doctrine a little bit, if you would. Yeah, well, the, the, here's the deal. Everything is speeding up. It's speeding up and it's accelerating on the speed. So sure. if, you don't, if you don't make a mistake and disrupt yourself faster, your competition will. There's somebody in the world that's going to go, oh, you know what? You're moving slow. It's like, it's why big companies are scared to death of agile, small people in their garage right now because there's right. millions, millions, millions of them. So you have to be willing to do it to yourself. You're not going to do that without pain, without making a mistake, without spending money on things that don't work, without having people laugh at you, without being embarrassed, without the government finding you. Like things happen. And so you have to be willing to go into that space because somebody will go right past you at Mach 4 if you're not willing to do it to yourself. Gotcha. Tell us the story, man. You know, you bought your first rental house on your visa, and then you grew that empire to 150 rental houses across seven states, but you lost uh, almost all of it during that, you know, the great 2008 recession, right? But then you also gained it back over time. Tell us that story. Like, what was your, your, your process, your, your, your mindset throughout that whole process? Well, the funny thing is, uh, in retrospect, and I, I tried to, I did, did my best to laugh about it in the middle, but I was so paralyzed and beat up. And by the way, not endorsing buying a house with a Visa card. Okay. Crazy. Okay. When I look back, I'm like, wow, I literally did a cash advance to buy a house. Like that. Sure. 
stupidest move anybody could probably make. And sometimes stupid is what you need. You know, I, I did that thing and the, and I built this thing up and I had this giant portfolio. I didn't lose everything. I lost more than everything. I lost $5 million more than everything because that's how far in the hole I was. was wow. So I had 20 million of assets and I went to negative 5 million. And, and that's, mm-hmm. it was an experience. It didn't matter if you have 20 million or 20,000, you know, losing everything is, is still painful. So I went through the process. First part was, okay, I'm gonna just pretend it didn't happen. And that doesn't really solve anything because I wasn't taking responsibility. Right. And it took me a couple of years to say, ah, that was me. And it actually, it wasn't just something that happened where I said, oh yeah, you know what, I'll take responsibility. I got fired as a volunteer working mm-hmm. on a set campaign. And they said, we think you'd be better somewhere else. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, this is probably not the right fit for you after six months. And I was like, I'm getting fired. And then I did the natural thing, I denied it. So the trolls on the internet said, oh, Damien can't even, can't, he got fired. And I was like, no, nah, I quit. Got I, didn't, I didn't quit. I got fired because I wasn't there. I wasn't all in. And uh, I wasn't up. I, part of it was I wanted to win. So I was trying to disrupt the whole thing, the campaign. Right. The deal. And, and so I stepped out of that and I realized I can't fix this because I don't know what the problem is. So I got help. The process was getting somebody to, to help me figure out what the truth was. And that's what we did. I, I, there was a great therapist in Texas that asked me one question for two years. The question is, it was, still is, what is true? Mm. If you ask yourself that question and you're willing to go deeper and deeper, not one time, but like every day, for right. you, then you get to the truth. And the truth was, I was a douchebag. And I don't like, <laughs> like that. That's why we don't go to the truth because we find out the truth. And then we were like, right. it makes us uncomfortable. Like, oh man, maybe somebody else is going to find out. Well, I better go get a shiny car and look cool because then that, that way they won't know I'm a douchebag. I had to get to that place. And once I got to that place, I realized, all right, uh, who am I really? Am I just a guy that's going to go out and build a big pile of cash and have shiny cars and, and lots of women and all this other stuff? Or am I here for something else? Am I, am I hedonist, consumer? Like, you know, this is right. not a consumer nation. This is a startup nation. I, I'm like, right. what, what's my right. job? My job is to teach. And that's what things evolved into. But I had to lose everything physically and almost lose my life to really get to the place where I could even see the truth because I was blinded by the shiny objects and this stuff. Right. As, as we all at one point in time, for sure. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Uh, let me ask you this, man, because you co-authored a book, you know, Reinvented Life with Christopher Ashby, right? Tell us about the process of co-authoring a book, because I imagine like, you know, you know, it's different between co-authoring you know, authoring a book by yourself as opposed to somebody else. And then tell us, uh, Startup Nation, some of the major points they'll get out of that book when they purchase it. The, the process was one of these crazy things where if you give yourself a deadline, and so mm-hmm. in August of, of 2012, Chris and I were, were talking about this and we decided we were going to do this book together and because we had a lot of things we'd gone through. We had, we did, it wasn't that we'd read some books, we decided to rehash and regurgitate crap. We actually said, hey, you know what, we've got a lot that we've been through and I think this would be valuable to give people a hack so they don't have to do all the same dumb crap that we did. Right. But we decided to do this and we basically had Google Docs where we were both writing and working on the same document at the same times. And it was just this beautiful flow of working together on a project because mm. we were on a mission together. It wasn't about us going and making a book to sell. It was literally about us finding a way to teach. And so what we did is we, we said, okay, what, what have we learned? So here's the lesson, here's the story behind it, and here's the action steps. So every chapter, there's, there's a 10 chapters and each chapter at the end has questions. And by the way, if you want just the questions, like if you want to skip to the end, like you want to go right to the work, which is right, you can just download it at reinvention.net. You just literally, like the workbook has all the questions from the book, just download gotcha. the book. So you don't even have to buy anything. Like that's a great sales pitch, right? It's free. <laughs> gotcha. 
it, the book is about the external internal shift where you have to go, instead of saying, I'm going to fix, I'm going to get a different house or different friends. Like you have to go deep inside yourself and ask different questions. And, and so these, the first half of the book is about the internal questions that you're asking that lead to the external experience that you're, is a reflection of what's really internally true. And that's where we bring you. And it's, you know, there's things like the, the Bucky five, your external reality of your, the people around you who are right. internal, your internal. We talk about simplification and really getting quiet so you can actually hear the truth. Because if you ask a question, you maybe want to meditate, you got a bunch of noise in your life, you got chaos, you're not going to hear anything. Truth is waiting for you. You just got to be able to listen. So it's, it's our process for reinventing, going from wherever you are to wherever you want to get to. And I think there's a lot, of, a lot of people talking about how you change things, how you get things. But this is really about how you become what that is that you want in your life. And then the internal, external growth process and reflection. That's a hard process. This, I mean, this book isn't easy. It's, right. you know, it's not like, hey, one, two, three, and you're free. Like, that's BS. Like, this is, right. this is some serious work you're going to do asking questions that are going to get to the heart of who you really are. Right. It's kind of like one of those, those, those books or pieces of content where it really does hold a mirror up to your face and ask yourself those hard questions, like you say. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And Startup Nation, you know, you can get uh, that workbook, you know, the, the link is in the show notes for easy access. And also, if you do want to purchase the book, the Amazon link is in the show notes as well for easy access for you to purchase that book as well. So we appreciate that, Damon, for sure. Uh, so you talk about, you know, financial bondage, man. What is that? And how do so many of us fall into that? Financial bondage is back to the truth. I, one, of the, one of the things that I do with people, and it's why so few people have actually have the guts or the balls to hire me. And, gotcha. and I don't generally work with most people. If they show up, usually I'll end up working with them, but most people are too afraid because what the work that we do is going straight to the heart. Like it's a dagger, it's a root canal, whatever you want to call it. We get to the truth by looking at the numbers. And with startups or anything in business, if you're not clear on the numbers, then you're screwed because you'll be doing things, it'll be good, and then you run out of money and, and then you're toast. Like you can't get right. it. And so we look at the numbers with your life and, and I look at the numbers in your business and, and it's a different skill set. It's, it's really left brain, right brain interaction because you can have an MBA that goes, here's the spreadsheet and they can, hey, they can make anything look good. Right, that's true. It goes, oh, let's, let's do something fun and it's bliss and everything is good. And if you think really well, you can secret yourself into a pile of money. That's all horse crap. Like the reality <laughs> is the money is a reflection of decisions that are based on habits, behaviors that are based on values. And so we back mm -hmm. in who you are based on what's on your credit card statement and what your P&L looks like. So if you want the hardcore truth and you want to actually change something, you got to look at the numbers. They don't lie. Just like your calendar. Like where's your time? Where right. Ending your time, and I can tell you who you are and what you value. You can tell me it's something else, but I'm going to say you're a big fat liar. And that's what most people don't want to look at. They don't want to look at the truth. So the numbers tell the story, which is the truth. And that's that's the work that is in the book. It's the work that we do one on one, and it's the work, quite honestly, most people don't want to do because it hurts. For sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Now this next question comes from my sister-in-law. I told her that I was going to be interviewing you for the show today. Oh, you got to ask him this. So here I am. It's that obligation. Um, so she, you know, she's an attorney and, you know, and she's, you know, starting to think about like, you know, she's like my age, I'm 36 or whatever the case may be. And she's starting to think about retirement and stuff like that. Now she wants to know what are some things I need to know about, like, you know, when I consider investing for the future and retirement or just investing in general. Here's, here's the number one secret. If you mm -hmm. think that you're going to be free with just passive that you don't understand, it's, it's kind of like saying, I'm going to have great sex if I'm passive and I sit there and don't do anything. Gotcha. <laughs> like it's, literally, 
a terrible idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to be actively engaged in figuring it out, understanding it, and being a part of it. So the, the biggest mistake people make is that they, they say, okay, financial advisor who knows more than me because I'm too stupid. They mm -hmm. handle their money over and they go, I'm too busy. I can't pay attention. And then they just hope. So basically they smoke a bunch of hopium. This strategy. <laughs> Got you. Damn years. And then they wake up and they're like, oh, two things happen. One, there's not that much money and they're screwed because they don't have time to do it again. Or two, there's, and I've had people come in and they go, I'm 55 years old. I got $2 million in the bank. And I go, great. They go, no, I'm scared to death. I go, why? Because they go, I can't figure out how to make that happen again. So I can't lose this. So they go into playing not to lose. And the danger there is they end up losing. You, you know, I mean, we've all seen teams that are playing, they're winning, and then they go into defense mode, let's play not to lose, and they get their asses kicked. That's what happens. It, the, the pile of money or the pile of stocks, the problem is you don't have, you have this like puny muscle. It's like you're Pee Wee Herman. You haven't developed any muscle. You got to go into Arnold mode. And Arnold mode is going to the gym. Going to the gym and finance means you're going to read a book, you're going to go to seminars, you're going to actually engage and participate in that mm, part of your life. Gotcha. What people don't do. So in terms of retirement, you got to say it's not passive. You can have passive investments. You can go invest in an apartment, but it's not about just passively putting money into a 401k and saying, I'm going to work and I've got a plan and I'm going to make 8%. That's all. You know what? It's a lie. It's a lie. You've been lied to. That does not work. Might've worked in the fifties or sixties. We're in a different world. You got to be able to participate. And I know you can, if you're listening to this, you can participate. So you have to participate. You, if you can, you should, if you should, you must. Uh, I hope you caught that startup nation. You know, it's one of those things where, like he said, don't smoke the hopium, right? Uh, it is one of those things where, and I'm glad you said that because we have so many people who just want to throw money to the wind or just throw money at the problem and just put that blindfold on like, oh, it all work itself out. But when you talk about being actively engaged, I think that's very powerful to startup nation to get. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. And I'm pretty sure my sister-in-law does as well. Uh, what's Black Belt Wealth, man? And talk about that logo you created. I think that's really dope for sure. Black Belt Wealth, so, so two, two areas in my life that I've spent 10,000 or more hours. One, okay. real estate investing in a business and two, in martial arts. So there's a fusion where it's all the same to me, whether it's somebody in the, in the dojo where I'm throwing somebody around, they're throwing me around, we're in a relationship, we're doing a dance or in business, same exact concept, we're doing the same stuff. And right. so- use those together to really help people understand how there's a practice involved. It's not something like you don't just have a business and it just works. Like it's a practice. You don't get a black, I mean, you can get a black belt in five minutes. Somebody says, how long did it take to get, to, be, be, to get a black belt? I say five minutes, go order it on Amazon. You can push your way to, to a black belt. If you want to become a black belt, there's a process just like in business. You have to be willing to show up day after day and train and practice sometimes the same thing. Like there are things I do day to day that I don't love. I used to think Aristotle was right. Smart guy. I mean, I'm not saying I'm smarter than Aristotle, but right. the purpose of life is happiness. I don't agree. I think that that is inconsistent with what it takes to have a life that's, that's meaningful. Gotcha. Success and it seems happy, but then why are we on all these, all, all these drugs, all these pharmas, you know, we're like Prozac and, and all this stuff. Like, why are we doing all that? Because we're not fulfilled. And fulfillment is about the practice. It's not the end. It's literally the internal work. It's, it's the process from here through the rest of your life. And people are like, well, how do I get to the other side? I listened to Tim Ferriss. He said, I got to do four hours, then I'm done. Like, I liked him, but give me a break. That is not what our lives are here for. It's not so we can skip to the other side. If you want to do that, watch the movie with Adam Sandler called Click. You can see what happens if you speed your way all the way through. You miss it. And that's what we need to really acknowledge, that, that there is a practice. And that's the best part. Like, I love practicing with my students, whether it's in business or the dojo. That's the fun part. It's not just, hey, you got a new belt. And if you're doing it for the belt, 
you're doing the wrong thing. I'm telling you right now, that is not the point. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And we're going to get into that a little bit because, you know, I think that's very interesting that I want to get into. Uh, but really quick before we go to break, man, what does your average day look like from sun up to sundown? Be as specific as possible. I am probably on the phone eight to nine hours a day. It's, it's one of the great competitive advantages I have because most people don't want to talk to anybody. They want to text, they want to email, and they just blend into all the digital noise. I, I said, you know what? I actually like my customers. I like my clients. I like my people, my team. I want to spend time with them. I'm not BSing with them. I'm literally connecting with them. I'm building a relationship. You want to have no competition, build relationships. You won't have any competition because people aren't doing that anymore. Uh, thank you for sharing that, man. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life so far? It's all good, man. It's good. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Damien's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. business owner the startup life reach is growing wouldn't you like your business to grow with it reach out to us to advertise on the startup life you can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com i mean don't get me wrong like this is a great music to have break on but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it need more content from the startup life you say you can now sign up for the startup life all access pass on the binge podcast network's patreon page there is exclusive content written by yours truly video content where i share even more of my business philosophies and whatever crazy content i can think of out of that crazy head of mine and at only five dollars a month yeah five dollars a month this is more content for you startup nation to really get ahead of your competition so instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship click the link in the show notes to sign up all right startup nation so let's continue so Damien, let me ask you this, man, because what's been a hot topic in the financial world for probably the last six months, uh, eight months, year, wherever the case may be, is the cryptocurrency market. And so, you know, you have some people say, oh, it's great. It's the new currency that everybody should get on board one. Then you have the old establishment who says like, uh, you need to stay away. It's a bubble, this, that, and the other. Where do you stand on that, man? Tell us about cryptocurrency. I, I'll tell you that I have some and I don't okay. understand it in terms of being able to predict anything other than I, our monet, monetary system is changing. And my guess is it's going to go into a non-paper space. It's going to be digital, but it'll be something that's decentralized. But I think that the the powers, the central banks and things are still going to push back and they're going to try to, like right now there's a USD, it's a US dollar coin and connected to Goldman Sachs. And so I think we're going to shift, but I think that there is going to be a lot of push towards centralized control. So I don't know where this thing goes. You know, I, I, I bought stuff when it was, you know, when, like with Bitcoin, I bought it when it was like 800 bucks. I bought it when it was 5,000. I bought it when it was 17,000. 
Does mm-hmm. that matter? Not really. And so why does it not matter? Because I did it to learn. And I know that if I, if I mm-hmm. pay for something, I'll pay attention to it. It's like having a mentor. You can go talk to your neighbor and get some advice. Are you going to do anything with it? Maybe not. The reason that I charge so much money to people is because if they pay me, they're going to pay attention. It's the same reason that I put a bunch of money into Bitcoin. I knew I would pay attention and I knew that with our monetary system changing, if that's what it looks like, I want to understand it because I'm in it. And I won't understand it if I just read a book. There's an emotional connection to having actual money in something. We tend to go, okay, what else do I need to know? Our reticular activator is actually paying attention to the information. That's the thing that like you can see the car that you just bought everywhere all of a sudden because you're aware of it, because your brain says, this is important. It makes no sense. Like when you buy your, your new uh, Mercedes or whatever, and it's like, hey, everybody has one of these. I'm not even unique, but it's our brain. And that's what crypto buying does. It makes you really pay attention to conversations, information, disruption that's happening in that space. That's why I bought some, but I don't have any idea where it's going. And that's okay, because that's not my job to predict it. It's to be in it. Gotcha. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I'm noticing a theme to how you you know, you go through a process and a mindset, whether it be in the dojo, whether it be teaching your clients, whether it be, you know, talking about, you know, uh, you know, investment and retirement and stuff like that. It's like the one thing that keeps sticking out to me is engaging, right? Like you're always like fully immerse yourself in the process. Where does that come from for you? Is that like, did you, is that something your dad taught you? Just where does that come from, man? It's funny. Um, as a kid, I was uh, way back in the, in the day, I, I was in Alaska. I actually grew up as a child in Alaska. So okay. there's a bit of a survival thing. Like you can't mm. just sit there and think like you freeze to death. And I think that that's really a good metaphor for, for life. And you just, you have to keep moving or you're going to turn into a popsicle. So that's, if we don't engage, like you can't just watch the secret. And I have friends that are, I literally have, that were in the movie. And people think if I just think my way into it, it'll work. That means if I think, then a bag of money will fall out of the sky and hit me in the head. I can tell you that's not true, ever, never, ever, ever. What is true is that the bag of money is to your left or your right, and if you're willing to let go of the tension and your focus and your, and your ego, you'll just all of a sudden see it, and you'll go, oh, there's an opportunity right there, left, right, it's all over. And so that was, to me, staying in motion without attachment, it's kind of a, a Buddhist philosophy. There's non-attachment, so I'm open not attached, and I'm willing to continue moving. It's like you can, be, you can be on the right set of railroad tracks, but if you're not moving, eventually you're going to get run over. I mean, that's the, the nature of the world right now more than ever. You have to keep going. You can't just sit there and say, ah, it's good. It's like why people die three years after retirement. In the United States, the average male dies three years or less after saying I'm done. It's because you're not moving. And the universe doesn't want you to sit here in idle on a beach drinking margaritas for 50 years. That's not why you're here. It's about engaging. It's about doing something. It's contributing. It's the, I, I fundamentally think that's why we're here, whether it's with our kids, with our business, with the community, with the world. It's not just to consume. That is a place where you're going to go straight to the coffin if that's what you're doing. Awesome. And Startup Nation, the reason, the reason I wanted to ask Damien that is because I think all entrepreneurs have some type of doctrine or a code or a creed that they live by, right? And I think for Damien, it's being engaging. For you, it may be something else. So I think when you know what that creed or that doctrine is that you adapt, I think that can really fuel your path and it can kind of get rid of the fear and the shame because you know who you are and you can just fully immersed in who you are. So I appreciate you sharing that, Damien. I really appreciate that for sure. Here's the other thing too. If you're engaged, you don't have time to be thinking about your mistakes. Fair enough. Yesterday, something happened last month. I don't even remember. I'm so busy in my thing and it's the right thing. So I'm not saying busy is going to save you. I'm saying the right thing, knowing your purpose, the path, and then being all in on it 
you're, you can't look in the rearview mirror. You're too busy going, whoa, this future, this thing. I'm like, I'm right here. And, and it's like, you drive, try driving some time with the rearview mirror and that's all you're looking at. It's going to be a short trip, you know, right into a wall or, <laughs> or coming in front of you. So get your focus off the rearview mirror. You cannot drive or survive in that space, but you sure can if you look out the window and you pay attention and stop texting when you're driving, by the way. That's another rear view mirror. Looking down there, seeing, hey, what, what, what's, what's calling to me? What, what's my little dingy thing want? It, it's dinging. It wants me. Like, you know what? There's this addiction to everybody else's agenda with these text messaging, you know, dings on our computers in our life. That's us being distracted with somebody else's agenda. Stop looking at your email first thing in the morning. Focus on your goals. Your, your, your agenda should be in front of you, not somebody else's. And that's, that's really important if you really want to own your life, if you want to have a life by design, not by default, because somebody else's agenda is running your game. I appreciate that. And that PSA has been brought to you by Damian Lupo and the Startup Life Podcast. We appreciate that, Damian, for sure. Stop texting and driving, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So you wrote another book, man, The Total Control Financial Guide to the QRP, man. No, and I saw you explain the QRP on another podcast. Tell us what the QRP is and those advantages for Startup Nation for sure. QRP is, is a qualified retirement plan. You, you guys have all heard of 401ks and IRAs and you've heard of these things. Most of the time people say, oh yeah, I got that. And I, I've got some mutual funds. It's a well-diversified pile of crap is what it is. But the, the reality is there's another option. And the option is you have in control of your stuff. And I don't care if you have no financial literacy. I don't care if you don't even know how to spell financial literacy. The truth is, if you've got a brain and you're listening to this and you're understanding our conversation right now a little bit, you've got the capacity to go and control your retirement and your future. The QRP, specifically the EQRP, is, is what's going to give you the actual driver seat. Everything else puts you in the passenger seat or probably for many of you is the trunk. You're like, I hope this thing doesn't go off a cliff with me in here, but I can't see where we're going. That's what financial advisors typically are. Hey, just let me handle your stuff. I got it. Don't worry. Hold, if you're investing for the long term, don't worry if the market goes off a cliff. It's cool. I'm going to get my fees. You're not going to get a life, but it's all good. Just trust me and go away. That's what you're doing right now. The QRP is about you having checkbook control, being able to invest in things you control. And I know that scares some of you. You're like, oh, I don't know anything about anything. I need somebody smart. Man, these financial advisors are generally not that smart. There are some that are awesome. Most of them passed a test to sell you a pile of junk that they get fees and commissions and salaries on. Are they making their money in those things? Absolutely not. They're making money off of you. You're feeding on you like a bunch of piranhas. I, I don't believe in that system. I think that that is a way to abdicate responsibility. I believe in you taking responsibility. I think that you're, you're capable and not only can but should go out and take responsibility for your financial life. And, and the QRPs are really about you having control. You drive that thing. You choose. You got to spend time. You're not going to do it in four hours. You know, that's it. You got to spend some time. It's work. I know it's a four-letter word. A lot of you are like, I don't have time to do that. When you wake up at 55 years old and you don't have any skills, you have no muscle around finance, you want to talk about scared to death, it's a, it's a different level of scared. You're like, I might run out of money before I run out of life. You, you don't want to go there. You got to invest that time. Absolutely. And I'm glad you pointed that out because a, a lot of times, you know, uh, they talk about investing when you're younger, you have, you know, a lot more, you know, of a risk tolerance. And by 55, man, you've kind of run out of time a little bit. And so I, I know that's scary. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, another thing that, you know, I'm, I'm noticing, you know, in our discussion, Damien, is, is really you speak to the entrepreneurial mindset, right? Like, Earlier, when you talked about solving a problem, that's what I think entrepreneurship is. I mean, it can involve a business that you can monetize, but it really is about solving a problem. And even in this mindset where you talk about, you know, you're in the driver's seat of the QRP, it really speaks to 
taking the reins yourself as opposed to having somebody else do that for you. So Startup Nation, make sure you, you caught that, right? Like the entrepreneur mindset is a very powerful mindset. And it's not necessarily just about starting a business. It really is about solving a problem, but also making sure you take control of your destiny and your life and how you try to move forward. You want to add something to that, Damien? Or? I, it, it is a mindset. It's, right. it's more of a belief system than a, a particular skill set. It's, here's what it also is. I, and this is probably going to resonate with a bunch of you guys. It's about you trusting you. And a lot of times there's this hesitation, like I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I don't have the experience yet. This is where mentors come into play, where you actually leverage off of their certainty, their confidence, mastermind groups. There's, the resources are not the problem. It's you believing in whether you deserving it and you believing in your ability to make decisions. Uh, that's, that's a hard one. And it, you have to start somewhere. So believe in a decision. And it doesn't mean it's going to be right but it is going to help you build the muscle because financial freedom is not about a certain pile of cash. Like you, if I handed you $5 million, you'd go, this is great. And you'd lose it in a year or two, most likely, or you would sit there and do nothing. The other option is you're going to say, well, maybe if I had cash flow, if I had $10,000 a month, nah, not, not, not unless you'd created it. Because what if I took it away? You wouldn't know how to get it again. Financial freedom is not the cash or the cash flow. It's the confidence with the muscle that you've built by being in the game. That is the key. And that's what is not told or not taught it's about, hey, just have this certain amount. The financial advisors say, just have this pile of cash or just have this certain amount of cash flow that's more than your expenses. That's not enough. You're being sold on something. You've got to develop the muscle and the certainty in your own ability. Hey, Startup Nation, I wanted to chime in really quickly to not share introspective, but honestly, to give you something for free. Damian Lupo has been nice enough to give Startup Nation three of his books, The Quick and Dirty Guide to Gold and Silver, The QRP Book, and the reinvented life book so now it's on you the first three people to like the facebook page the startup life podcast facebook page i will send you one of his books or if you've already liked the facebook page send me an email sharing with me one of your biggest takeaways from this week's episode in whatever combination the first three people to do those two things like the facebook page the startup life podcast facebook page or if you've already liked the page to send me an email sharing what your main takeaway is from this episode i will send you one of his books absolutely free so hey Game on, Startup Nation. Thank you for sharing that. And it's funny you mentioned that because I actually wanted to dive into, it looks like you're creating a mastermind group yourself this year, right? You know, tell us a little bit about that and your goals with it. The mastermind group is, is really, part of, part of my job is to make sure I have people beyond me, people that are not where I'm at and people at the same place. It's, I, I, Christopher and I talked about this. It was, this was something he realized. He needed people that were mentors. He needed people that were mentees and he, he needed peers. And so having a mastermind group is a really great way, especially the way that I do it, where you have a deep, honest conversation. And it is a special mastermind group because we don't hold back and there's, there's no wishy-washy nonsense. Like we drive because life is short, it's precious. And, and so it's about digging into the numbers and digging into the reality of what's really, really true. And, and in that environment, we can make changes and make moves that are actually going to impact our life and not just have a therapy session for a couple of days and, and kumbaya together. Like that's not what this is. This is about getting real and getting really going forward in the right direction on the path that we're supposed to be on. So it's, it's, a, it's a special group. And I learn as much as anybody else does in that thing. I, I always like having a group in my life. I like having mentors and mentees. And I, it's not just that I like it, I do it. And so when I teach something, I'm doing it. I don't teach anything that I'm not doing. 
I think that there's hypocrisy and a lack of integrity with anybody that's teaching one thing and doing something else. So whatever I'm talking about, I'm doing the same thing. I appreciate that. So that leads me to my next question. Who are your mentors, Damien? Well, one of them, it's interesting. Sometimes they're the same person as a peer. So I learn a lot from, from Christopher. I, I, it's funny too. I, I learned from my students. So these are, they're mentoring me because I'm finding more about, out about myself by being around people and paying attention to the feedback that I'm getting. I, my, my mentors are my clients. They're teaching me and I'm learning because my, my job is to serve people. It's to impact people. It's to inspire people. So the first step in that is listening, paying attention and not saying, well, I know everything. I don't know anything. I know less now than I knew 20 years ago. And I mean, I knew everything back when I was 18, 19, 20. It was amazing. Like I thought, Ooh, I'm 10 feet tall, bulletproof and the smartest man on the planet. It's called SMOP. And I just, you know, nowadays I go, well, I don't really know anything. And, and I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to think. So the, the mentors I have, I, I like seeing people that make mistakes. Here, here's, a, here's a tip for you if you're looking for a mentor. During that interview process, you're figuring out who it's going to be. Ask them their biggest mistakes. I was with a banker, for example, and we were talking about investing and some of my big dumb, dumb moves. You know, you mentioned Memphis. I, I had an apartment complex out there 15 years ago that I bought in the wrong part of town and my, my security guard got killed while an armed security guard got killed, lost a couple million bucks on this thing. Right. So... You know, I learned there, but it was the reason that I got in trouble was because I stopped listening to mentors. I was like, oh, I don't need a mentor. I am smart. So I, I'm looking for mentors that have made mistakes. I'm looking, the, the guy at the banker that I'm working with on a project now talked about his mistakes. I go, you know what? I like working with guys like you because you're open, you're vulnerable, you're willing to say, I'm not perfect. You tell somebody comes in and they say, well, I've never lost money. I've never made a mistake in business. I go, you're either full of crap or you haven't done anything. And, and so, and if they haven't made a mistake, if it's, if they're literally a unicorn and they haven't made a mistake, they've never lost money. Cause I know there's one guy and I actually believe him. I think, I think he's made no mistakes. The problem is he thinks he's Superman and he's got a reckoning coming because he doesn't understand the process of making mistakes. I I've had lenders that said, don't, I'm not lending you money until you've lost all your money a couple of times. I get it now because there's an emotional intelligence you, you gain by going through that process. So you, you're interviewing somebody, you want to ask them what they've lost, what mistakes, what are your greatest lessons from things that you've screwed up? Like what was the most painful thing? And if they have no answer, run. It's generally not a good person because they're just either inexperienced or they're full of themselves. I, I hear that. And Startup Nation, there's two points I want to highlight that Damien brings up. Definitely, you know, uh, the part where if you have a mentor and they haven't made a mistake, that, that does seem like a red flag because like what exactly would you learn from that person, right? And two, when you talk about learning from your clients and mentees, right, and you're not necessarily learning, you know, more about them, but you're learning a lot about yourself. And so I think that takes a very introspective person to get to that point. And not everybody is there. So I appreciate you sharing that, Damien, for sure. Uh, so speaking of mentors and people that we look up to, a lot of people in Startup Nation know Grant Cardone. And so I know you went down to Miami back in 2000, uh, 2017. Uh, what is he like, man? What did you learn from him? Grant is a bit relentless. So there's a lot okay. I love about Grant and, and there's some things I go, ugh. And I, here's the good news. Grant has a focus and a vision and his vision, he's got plenty of money. He's playing the game to lift other people up. So there isn't, there isn't anything that Grant can't buy. I mean, it's just not about him getting a bigger jet. I know he just, I, I think he just went and bought a different jet that was long distance and that's cool. But Grant is, is on a mission. So I, I always ask people like, what is your mission? What is your vision? Do you have any values driving anything? Grant knows what that is. I do too. And it's, it, you, we really have to start there. You see somebody that is relentless. He's also interesting. Like when he's on stage at his 10X events, 
you'll notice that he has people, awesome people that he brings up like Damon John and Tim Grover, um, a lot of really cool people. And he sits there and he's, he's there with them. He's not trying to overpower them. He's literally there to support them. And he learns, he asks questions. He's there learning like the rest of the 2,500 or 5,000 people that are in the audience. And I, pre, I respect that about him. He's mm-hmm. also not willing, I was watching a video. If you haven't seen this video, it's, it's him, it's a couple million, million views him talking about how a million dollars is garbage. Like if you go have a, if you think being a millionaire is going to be good, it's, it's middle-class. Like you're not wealthy with a million bucks. You're worried. That's it. That, those are his words. And I totally agree with that. It's about the $10 million number. And, and it's about being broke until you are actually there until your passive stuff that you've learned how to create is exceed, exceeding your, not your expenses, but your income that you're making actively. I appreciate him being so hardcore. That's what resonates with me about him because he just doesn't pull punches, man. That guy's like all in. He's going to put his fist right through your crap. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, I'm at the point where I want to ask probably the, the most anticipated question for me. What was the inspiration behind founding your own martial art, man? Like you got to tell me that story. That's crazy. It's so there's inspiration. And again, there's perspiration, man. There was like okay. a decade of perspiration and pain and, you know, breaking things and all this other stuff. Here's what happens when you go deep. So when Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hours and, and these different people have talked about going deep and deep and deep and you go plateau, like you just do this thing for however many millions of reps or whatever. It doesn't matter whether it's martial arts or something else. Eventually you're doing this thing and it becomes, it evolves into your thing. And what happened for me, it was the same thing where I spent thousands and thousands of hours training and training and training. And I was doing some things. I was evolving as a human being, got involved in yoga, learned about Reiki. And I realized, wow, there's something that's me that's showing up in the way that I teach. And this isn't just classic Aikido. This is, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is, this is Yokido. This is a, this is a blend of these things. And it has more to do with breath and relationship than it does with punching somebody in the face. Like it's not just about defending yourself. It's about healing the other person. It's about going into a conflict and being with somebody and not just moving past them like in a keto, but it's actually healing them in the process and leaving them better off. And that's who I am. Somebody comes at me. I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. Like what's going on with you? How can I help you? And people are like, oh, like I was just, I just want to yell at you because I'm mad. I'm like, I get it. What's, what's going on? That is the essence of Yokido, whether it's on the mat or in business. It's just, it's where I got to and where I'm going because it's not just about a transaction. It's not just about money. It's not just about something. It's about this thing that I've become. That's what happens. You become something and then you, you name it, I guess. I mean, that's the process. Thank you for sharing that because I, I put that out on the Startup Life Facebook page yesterday and it went crazy, man. It was like, are you serious? Like, you know, so everybody was very excited that I, you know, and I had to ask that question for sure. Uh, if you want to uh, check out Damien's website, you can go to DamienLupo.com. If you want to hire him, you can go there as well. And that link is there in the show notes for easy access. Damien, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? My, my superpower is going straight to the truth, man. Like it, I, I don't know anybody that goes to it faster. It's, mm-hmm. and, it, and there's, there is a disregard for the, the opinion outside of that or, the, or something that's going, to, that's going to keep us from the truth. So my, my superpower is getting to that and opening somebody up to what's real. Uh, I, it's very valuable. Candor is, is important. Jack Welch says it's probably the missing piece in business. So being candid and being honest with yourself, and, it, and it's really hard. So what do you need? You need somebody to help you get there. So find somebody that'll help you get there, whether it's me, whether it's my superpower, or whether it's somebody that you respect that you'll actually listen to. The truth will set you free if you're willing to actually go into that space. 
Gotcha. So once again, Damien, I want to thank you for coming on the Startup Life. You know, we really enjoyed your value and the content that you provided today. And I think Startup Nation really learned a lot. So last question before we let you go, we're actually going to let you talk to Startup Nation right now. There's somebody in Startup Nation to where they're thinking about a business and they're afraid to start or they're in their business and they just feel stuck, man. Tell them, you know, give them some motivation to keep going or to get started. Let me tell you about the amygdala that's keeping you guys scared and stuck and hesitating and planning indefinitely. There's this paralysis around, I'm going to plan, I'm going to do this thing. It's, I, it's like when people say, I've got a book and I say, can I, can I read it? And they go, well, I'm working on it. I got, I'm doing a book. And I go, you're not doing a book. You're just, you're just telling me you're doing a book. That's nonsense. Here's what we're doing. We're, we're letting our amygdala think our way into nothing. We're not taking action. When I grew up in Alaska, there are polar bears where I worked in the Arctic Circle that if you run into them, they eat you, they kill you. So primal instincts around making mistakes, like if I went to the wrong place and I wasn't paying attention, there literally I was taking out the trash, polar bears were there, they would, they would kill me. You could be eaten. I was also in Africa a couple of years ago and there was a lady that was there before us and she literally got out of the Jeep and she lined up all the tiger or the lion cubs to have a better photograph. And guess what? Mama came out there and killed her. Mm. There are places in the world where you can make a mistake and you will be eaten. And our primal instincts keep us in that space of, oh, if I make a mistake, something's going to eat me. If you're not in the Arctic Circle in Alaska or Africa on the plains doing dumb things with your camera, you're not going to be eaten. So just think, remember that next time you go, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm not making progress. I'm not actually taking action. Is anything going to eat me right now? Like, am I in Africa or Alaska? And the answer is no. So get off your ass and go do something. You're not going to be eaten. You're going to learn. I hear that. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Start of Life Powered by the Binge Podcast Network. Did you enjoy being on the show, Damien? Oh, man. Thank you so much. It's been great. Oh, thank you so much. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. Damien Lupo is a force of nature. When he talks about like not living in the shame, not living in the guilt, and really having that freedom, that is really what propels him as an entrepreneur. He really does take that Tim Grover-esque type of doctrine into his path of entrepreneurship and I think he wants to instill that in everybody he comes across not only in their path to entrepreneurship but also in how they focus and tackle their retirement planning because when he talks about the QRP and how you can take advantage of really diving into that process yourself you'll save yourself a whole lot of money you'll give yourself peace of mind and more importantly to Damien, you'll have the retirement that you ultimately truly want. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Bench Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life.
Startup Nation, you still here? All right, well, clearly you're looking for some more content. Here you go. Theodore Levitt in the 60s said, people don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. Right. And so, right. And so um, that's, that's basically the, the underlying premise of thinking about jobs to be done. That, my friends, is Brian Ray, creator of FeatureAudit.com. So go ahead and subscribe to The Startup Life right now so that way when Brian's episode is available, it'll already be there. But in the meantime, Startup Nation, get back to work. You got a company to grow.